Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys, church. Um, some people welcomed me saying, who are you again? It's like, I haven't been gone that long. I've missed one, two weeks, but I came back in one of those weeks. Jeez. Well, we're grateful that Ernie came and joined us today. Um, it's always such a blessing. He uh, comes up from uh, Santa Fe Springs area and shares with us uh, Thomas, our regular worship guy. He's uh, up at camp with our high schoolers as well. Our high schoolers are up at camp, and so is Thomas. He's there with another group of guys that he knows from uh, School of Worship, and they're doing, they've been doing worship all weekend for the, the high schoolers. And so just pray for them. They're all coming home today. And uh, I'm sure the parents of the kids are going, ah, they're coming home. Um, but we're praying for all the leaders and stuff over there because, uh, man, man, it's a 24-hour thing while you're gone. This morning, we are back into the book of Acts, and so we're going to be starting Acts chapter 2. So if you will, make your way over to Acts chapter 2. And while you're making your way over there, let me ask a question. I don't always have questions here. No, I have a lot of questions that I have, but let me ask you this. What would your life look like if you totally believed and did what the Bible said. And I will preface that by saying, especially in the New Testament. And I know what some of you guys might say, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I do believe. I believe. I believe everything the Bible says. Now, I know I, I said some of you would, would say, what are you talking about, Willis? Because most of you guys remember Arnold from different strokes. Some of you other people are going, what was that? Who's Arnold? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Again, I'm talking about what if we literally believed and, and we literally did what the Word says. Again, I know we want to. We want to believe and do, but we don't always do that. We read it. We understand it. We say that we believe it, but when it comes to putting feet to it, we often don't because we're hesitant, because of certain things that we might remember from our past or what we've seen other people do, we go, yeah, maybe, no, I, I just can't, I can't jump into all of that. But I believe it, I just won't do it. Because if we actually did what we believed, our lives would be totally radical. Our lives would be radical. Not crazy, not stupid, but just radical in our life. The way we conduct ourselves that I think even people within the church would go would, would marvel at the way you live your life and I, I, I would venture to say that some people would even mock the way you're living your life because you literally believe what the Bible says and you actually are doing it and so sometimes when we're doing that people are like standoffish because they don't see too many people and too many Christians actually doing what they believe so what I'm getting at is what we believe we should do. In other words, our faith should drive us to action. Not just say that we believe, but actually do what we believe. Now, with what we've covered in Acts chapter 1, and what we will be covering throughout the book of Acts, but as we're getting into this next chapter this morning... Did the disciples, again, just reading from the first chapter, did the disciples just believe what they were told to do, or did they do what they were told? And so we're in chapter 1, or chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we will cover the first 13 verses this morning. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there, there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat on each of them, and they were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes, Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Others mocked, saying, They are full of new wine. So as we go back and begin this chapter, now reading or or listening to what we have just heard, (laughs) do we not only believe what happened, but will we do what is actually told in the Scripture? Do we walk in that, in other words? Now, the word Pentecost, as we go back where it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. The, the, the word Pentecost, it's only found in the New Testament. And it means 50th. That is, the 50th day. Because it fell on the 50th day after Passover. Now, in the Old Testament, it was known about uh, a little different. It wasn't known as the Feast of of Pentecost, but, but it was the, the Feast of, of Weeks because it celebrated seven completed weeks or 50 days after Passover. It was also known as the Feast of the Harvest because it included the harvest of the latter grain. But it was also known as the Day of First Fruits because the first loaves made from the new grain were offered at the altar. Now, again, I want to make a distinction here. This last one, it's known as the day of first fruits, which is different from the feast of first fruits. In the Jewish calendar, there's these feasts. And if you go over to Leviticus chapter 23, we won't go there, but if you just read through it, Leviticus 23 is an outline basically of the work of Jesus Christ because all these feasts represent Christ. Passover was the picture of the lamb that would be slain for the sins of the world, but Passover was about his death, about Jesus' death. The feast of first fruits, which would be a couple a day after the Sabbath, a couple days after the Passover, was a picture of his resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. Fifty days after the feast of first fruits is the feast of Pentecost, or the day of the first fruit. And it is a picture of the formation of the church. And so again, when you go back to Leviticus 23, there's pictures, symbolisms through all the feasts that are mentioned there about what would come later. At Pentecost, the Jews celebrated the giving of the law, whereas the Christian celebrates it because of the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church, as we just read. The feast of first fruits took place on the day after or, or the day after the Sabbath following the Passover, which means that it, that it was always on the first day of the week, the feast of first fruits. 
Again, on the first day of the week is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And he became the first fruits of them that slept. Again, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now, if Pentecost was 50 days later or seven weeks plus one day, then Pentecost also took place on the first day of the week. The, the, the correlation is that Christians assemble and worship on the first day of the week, on Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, but also the day that the church was basically birthed, like we see here, or when the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a powerful way. It was when the, the Spirit basically was given to the church. On the feast of first fruits, the priests, they would, they would wave a, 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 sh a shift or, or a, yeah, like a shift, like a bundle or, or a stack of grain. They would wave it on, on the feast of first fruits before the Lord. But on Pentecost or the day of first fruits, that is when they presented the two loaves of bread. And so there's quite a difference between the feast and the day of first fruits. The feast was in the beginning when, the, when, when they got the bundles of, of, of grain and, and, and the day of first fruits was when they baked the breads, the breads and, and the loaves were presented. Now these two loaves, these two leaven loaves that were offered at the altar on the day of first fruit, as some suggest, would make up the church or would make up Jews and Gentiles, bringing them together as the church, reconciling both to God in one body, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. And so these two loaves that were presented on the day of first fruits that were made with leaven, leaven, it's interesting, it's, it's always a picture, a significance of sin. And it signified that the church would be made up of, get this, sinners. <laughs> the church is made up of sinners. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and I know kind of like, no, because I think sometimes we think, no, if you're a Christian, you're like sinless, or people have that perception. Well, I know you guys don't think that, but there's people because you know you, <laughs> and I know you, <laughs> bunch of sinners. That's what we're made up of, right? See, we understand that. But again, what, what, what this is symbolizing or signifying is that God would bring together Jew and Gentile and from the two make one, which would be his body. And, and yet, being made up of Jew and Gentile, we come together at the altar of the cross. And that's what makes us clean. That's what makes us pure. And so, again, it's interesting that all these festivals and all these feasts that we read in the OT, they have a significance of who Christ was or would be. They all had a picture and representing of who Christ would do and what he would accomplish in our lives and throughout history. And so the Jews took or looked at Pentecost for a new beginning but the church looks back at Pentecost to where it all began. That's where it started for us. When the power of God comes upon the church. It says here that they were, they were all with one accord in one place. Which means that they were all assembled together with one mind in harmony. Is, is what that means, to being in, in one accord. They were in harmony. Now, it's interesting because it's now been the 10th day since Jesus ascended. Remember when Jesus, right before he ascended, he told them what? Hey, wait in, Jer into, in Jerusalem until you, you, you get the, 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 the promise from the Father. And he told them that the Holy Spirit would be coming. So since the day of his ascension to the day of Pentecost here has been 10 days. Now it's interesting because I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago that he told them to wait until the promise of the Father. And then they were to go out. 
And waiting is not something we all like to do, <laughs> as I shared. And so what if these disciples would have just went about three days, six days, nine days, going, I've waited too long, let's go. You see, they were supposed to wait. And now it was the 10th day, and they were all gathered together. They are all in one place, and they are still waiting for the promise of the Father. If you remember back in chapter 1, again, there was 120 people. They were gathered together waiting for the promise of the Father. And they were all from all different walks of life. Every, every one of them, they all came from different places. They might be similar in a lot of areas, but they all came from different walks of life. And they all knew Jesus in a different way. But they had Jesus in common that day. At that time frame, they were all together. Now, you get 120 people together for any length of time, and I don't care if they're Christian or not. There's no, by the end of, of 10 days, not everybody's going to be singing Kumbaya together. <laughs> people are going to get under each other's skin. People are just going to be like, man, I, I, just can't, I, I just can't look at them anymore. I won't say anything, but I just can't even look at them. And, and, and again, people start doing all that stuff when you're together for so long. And here we have this time that these guys are together. And, and could it be, is it possible that because they are all waiting in anticipation for the promise of the Father, that, that they are, are actually there with one accord, that they are actually in agreement of everything that is happening and in harmony and united because of Jesus. Now, how would this verse have sound if, how would it, it, it sound if it said something like this, and they were all together in one accord except for Peter, except for Peter, Thomas, and, and Mary Magdalene. They're just having issues with everybody there. How, how would that verse have, have sounded to us going, oh, I get that, because I'm always at odds with people at church. Yeah, I could relate to those guys. Because you're never or never desire to be in one accord with everybody around you. It's like, no, I'm different, man. That's just the way I am. That's like, shame on you. Because the scripture tells us here that they were all together. They were there for 10 days. This prayer meeting is going on. And they had all things in common. They had Jesus in common. And they were in harmony with one another. And, 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 and is it possible that in a group of, of that size that we see here, or in a group of this size here in, in, in church, could, could it be possible, is it possible that we could be in one accord? Well, some would say, yeah, it is possible, but not probable. Not likely. And I would ask, why? Why? And people would say, well, Pastor Zeke, you already said the church is made up of all kinds of sinners. And I would say, yeah, but aren't we a new creation? Yeah, but the, weak, the, the, the flesh is weak. And I would say, yeah, but the spirit is willing. And then I would go on to say, why do we keep on arguing like this? But see, this is how easy it is to be or, or, or to de develop a discord instead of accord. This is how easy that, that, again, we can just kind of start bantering back and forth. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a little dissension. There's a little like, yeah, Zeke's an idiot. He's a jerk. I don't want to talk to him. I know I'm stuck here for another 10 days with them, but I'll just stay on the other side of the room. But that's how easy it is when people are gathered together, there would be more discord than accord. <clears throat> that's why I started off this question this morning asking, what would your life look like? What would our lives look like? If we were totally, if we totally believed and did what the Bible said, what would we look like? You see, we, we're going to get into a few little verses here that, that I think if we actually began to understand and just go with what the scriptures are telling us here, we at Calvary Chapel of Thielen will make a difference in people's lives, especially in our own lives at home, with the people that we work with with our community, if we actually did what these verses tell us, if we actually believed it and just did it and said, hey, man, I'm cool with it. 
Because again, in, in, in verses 1 through 4, it, it, it tells us that suddenly there came the sound or a sound uh, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to read these, two, these three verses through the Amplified because it's just so powerful when you read the, the Amplified in this way. It says, When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the, like the rushing of a violent tempest blast. And it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed, and which settled on each one of them. And they were all filled, diffused, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other different foreign languages tongues as the spirit kept giving them clear and loud uh, expressions in each tongue the appropriate words powerful stuff that he's sharing with us if we were all with one accord as a group waiting in anticipation for the holy spirit to fill us and to show up and actually do the work of filling each and every one of us, what would we look like if we actually allowed that to happen in our lives? I, I, I think this is where a lot of Christians get stuck. I, I think oftentimes people get to this portion of Scripture and because of preconceived ideas or prejudices, and I would say against the Holy Spirit, because of what we have seen and heard in other places that we end up limiting and not allowing the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we become fearful of the filling of the Holy Spirit because some of you are sitting here going, oh, geez, man, he's going to get all Pentecostal on us. <laughs> Hence the word Pentecost. See, people, people already have those preconceived ideas of these Pentecostals, man. They just get like crazy and loony and they scare the heck out of us, man. Again, not to bash anybody, but again, we've seen it, we've heard it. And people are going, I don't want to do that. That's not where I want to be. Because it gets too crazy and they can't even control themselves. And so they end up not allowing the Holy Spirit to truly do a work in their lives. There's people who say, I just don't know about that sound of from heaven stuff, man. I, I don't know this, this whole rushing mighty wind, the divided tongues of fire and then being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I don't know about all that stuff, man, because you lost me when you, start, when you mentioned the word tongues. I was out. I was out. It's like, uh-uh, I don't want any of that stuff. Again, if you've ever heard and seen something like this, all of a sudden you put up a veil, a wall, that, that you don't allow the Holy Spirit to do something in you that He truly wants to do. And it's not just the tongues part, peeps. If you have never heard or seen anything like that, let's just say that you lived under a rock for all these times, all, this, all these years, and you never heard any of those things, and you come up out of your rock and you find this Bible and you begin to read it, and you're in the New Testament, you're reading through the Gospel of John, man, and you're just reading about all the stuff that Jesus is saying, you're going, whoa, man, it's just speaking to my heart. And at one point, Jesus is talking about, hey, man, it's to your advantage that I leave. Because if I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will live in you. And you've, if you've never heard anything else like that, you're going, whoa, I want the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. And, and then you read about his death and then you read about his resurrection. And then you, you get into the book of Acts and you're going, man, he wants to give me power and then you get into chapter 2 and you're reading it and you're going, oh, geez, I, I don't know about that. That, that. that was for back then, not for me today. 
You see, because we start thinking that and we, we limit the work of the Holy Spirit that really wants to work in our lives. And that's where we all of a sudden begin to think like, oh, geez, why? Because people have influenced you. You've seen something. You've heard something. Other churches might act a different way, and you're going, ah, that's why I left that place, man. If you're going to start talking about tongues, Pastor Zeke, I'm out. I tell you, man, it's not about the, the tongues. It's about the filling here, man. If you could understand that and take away everything else. Oh, tongues are important, and we're going to see what God does with that. But again, that's not the huge thing. And, 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 and people have gotten caught up in that portion, and they just kind of like, oh, not for me, bro. Not for me. Too many Christians have gotten stuck at this point, and they forget about the most important part of these verses, and that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what these guys were waiting for. They were waiting there in anticipation that God was going to do something. Why? Because Jesus told them, hey, wait until the promise of the Father. And, and, and for, for these guys to go, geez, man, I can't, I can't believe what's going on right now. I don't want any of this. That, that, that would have just sounded way different here. If, if, if one of those 120 people decided, not for me, they were all there with one accord. They were all expecting God to move. Again, when, 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 when you're praying, when you're reading your word, when you're coming to church, are you expecting God to move? Are you anticipating, God, you're going to speak to me, you're going to do something in my life? Or are we, are we cautiously reading going, wait until we get up to that crazy stuff, man, and then I'll just check out, man. I'll just distance myself from what the Word of God is saying there because that sounds too crazy. That sounds too loony out there. No, we should always read His Word. We should always pray. We should always come to fellowship with expectation that He wants to do something. That He is willing to do something. Because if we believe <clears throat> these verses or the accounts that take place in these verses... And that the same Holy Spirit that filled the disciples back then wants to do it in your life today. He wants to fill you to overflowing today. And are we expecting for Him to do something like that? To fill us to overflowing that will blow our minds? Or are we going to limit it? <clears throat> Sorry. That was weird. When it comes to the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us and, and, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving that power. Because I, I believe the Bible, the New Testament, differentiates, distinguishes the difference here. In John chapter 20, when Jesus appears to them before any of this happens here, in John chapter 20, when Jesus appears to them and, he sa and, and, and it says that he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I, I truly believe that's different than what is being talked about right here. That at that moment when he breathed on them, they became spiritual beings. And I think there's a difference with what we see here in Acts chapter 2 when all of a sudden there's this filling, this power that has now come upon them. And so when you, when you look at both of these instances, you see that the Holy Spirit does live and dwell in many Christians, but not many Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. As we talked about a few weeks back, last month, whenever it was, <clears throat> and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is with, in, and upon. And that whole upon is different than in. So if we understand these things, <clears throat> sorry, hold on. When it comes to the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, and, and when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, then how are we to act? 
How, how, are, how are our lives supposed to look different? If we say that He lives in us, if we say that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then how is it possible that we are constantly at odds with people in our own home? How is it possible that we are at odds with people at church, on the job, or anywhere else you can think of, or anybody else that you can think of? How, how is it that we can be in that place and then just say, well, that's just who I am? I, I would have to say there's something wrong there if you say that, you're, that, that the Spirit dwells in you and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet you say, I just can't get along with people. I, I, I would have to say that maybe we need to repent and humble ourselves here because <laughs> something's wrong. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, He wants to come in like the wind, <laughs> He wants to come in like fire. He wants to set us ablaze. And He wants to fan that flame. Because if we have wind and if we have fire, then there's a blaze that's going. <laughs> that will consume and spread in our lives. And you will be blown away and on fire for Jesus. You'll be too hot to handle. And it'll be a breeze. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. <laughs> Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I want to read to you a portion of this, of this incredible scripture here that, that, he, that the Apostle Paul writes. And these are some of those things that we receive when we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15 to 21, it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of, his, of the glory of His inheritance and the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. You see, when we are under the control of the Holy Spirit, when we're under this kind of control, then we are better able to love. We are a better able to forgive and to overlook and to help and to encourage, to exhort one another. Why? Because the power of God lives in you. When we are at odds with people, what are we allowing to, to control us? Our flesh or the Spirit? Because if you say that the Holy Spirit dwells in you and, 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 and fills you, then He will give you the ability to be able to love, forgive, overlook, help, encourage, and exhort one another. We are able to do that if you literally believe what the Bible says. And if you believe it, will you do that? See, there's, there's, there are people, they believe that, that the power of God can be upon them, but they can't seem to love. They can't seem to forgive people. They can't overlook anything, much less help or encourage. How is that even possible? If you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then these things are all possible. Because it tells us here in, the, in this verse that they were all filled. Not some, not a few, not even mostly were filled. All of them were filled. 
Again, I find that fascinating because there was 120 of them. And they were all filled. And I asked, why can't that happen here in our midst? Why can't that happen today in our lives? If, if we put away the, the, the prejudices, if we put away the, the misconceived ideas that we have about who the Holy Spirit is, that, then maybe possibly you will be open enough to say, Lord, fill me to overflowing, man. I, I, I know I can't duplicate what happened there, but I want it all right now, Lord. I want everything that you have for me. Because I think oftentimes we say, yes, Lord, I want you. I want all of you, Lord. Well, except the Holy Spirit part. Because, I don't know, that might get a little crazy here. And again, you're stuck on some of these things that you've heard and seen. And it's like, no, put those things away because he wants to do an amazing work in filling you to overflowing. Because what we will see from here on out is every time the Holy Spirit falls upon people like this, fills them, something happens. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's out of sight. Because if you understand these things, you will walk differently in your life if you actually do them. Not because somebody talked you into believing this. Not because somebody worked you into a frenzy. But because there's unity among the brethren. And we're coming together and we're doing things orderly and, 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 and with self-control as the Bible tells us. But above all, we're expecting God to work in and through our lives. see, no believer that day that was in that room was exempt from any of this, from any of this experience. They were all involved in it. Because the flames separated and came upon each and every one of them. Again, some will get to this point and think, well, if he's going to make me do something like speak in tongues and get out of control, I'm out. And again, that's not the case, people. That's not what we see here. That's not what Scripture tells us. Hey, why don't everybody speak in tongues, man, and let's just get crazy up in here. And somebody walks in going, even Christians going, you guys are nuts, man. See, that, that's not what we see here. The people that are outside, they're marveling, they're confused. Oh, yeah, absolutely, they're tripping. Because things are happening. They're hearing stuff. Oh, there's mockers. I understand that. But I would say <laughs> that if you're one of those who are going, oh, I don't know if I can, I can allow all that to happen in my life, that I can guarantee you, you will never allow yourself to be filled. You will, never allow, you will never experience the fullness of who God is in your life because there's certain things in your life that are going, I can't, I can't accept that. And I can guarantee you God will not make you get filled. He won't. He won't push you into experiencing something that you do not want to experience. If you limit Him, He will, he will limit Himself from coming upon you fully so that you can experience all the power that we just read about in Ephesians chapter 1. Because he's able to give you everything. Go back and read chapter 1 of Ephesians. He will give you all of that and more in abundance. Because that's who he is. And guys, it will be all done orderly. Orderly. Because you are under a different control. says that the Spirit gave them utterance. It wasn't somebody teaching them what to say, showing them how to say it, and what to say. Again, this, what is happening here is different than the gifts of tongues, which is spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And even that, that's where people got, start getting a little crazy there. But even that, if you read 12, 13, and 14, it's all done decently and in order. All the time. The gift of tongues is a little bit more personal. 
And it's used in a different way. And I'm sure we'll touch on that as we get move forward in the book of Acts. But you will see that the tongues is not the primary thing that we will focus on in the book of Acts. It will be the filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, I don't want to focus on tongues, but it says here that the Spirit gave them utterance. This was a supernatural thing that was about to happen. As the Spirit had fallen upon them, He gave them utterance. The word utterance means to enunciate plainly, i.e. declare, say, speak forth, utterance. I, I read somewhere about what it takes to make words come out of your mouth. Y entonces a comenzar a hablar en otro idioma es otro milagro del Señor. Let me, let me interpret that for you. <laughs> and then to speak in a different language, it's a miracle of God. So you see, in verses 5 through 13, we begin to see that those who were dwelling in Jerusalem there was something that was happening. Now, those people, they came from all different walks of life. They were from all different places. They all spoke different languages. They probably had Hebrew or Arabic in, 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 you know, in common, but they heard what was going on, and they were drawn. Now, if you're one of those who understood Spanish, and, and, and you started understanding when I switched from English to Spanish, it all made sense to you. But for some of you, it was gibberish. Going, what, what the heck is happening to Pastor Zeke? He's, <laughs> something's happening to him. Because some of you guys, I didn't even know he knew Spanish. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the greatest. But be that as it may. Some of you who understood, you even heard an amen from somebody who said, I understood what you, what, what you said there. Because again, that is what's happening here in chapter 2. The people that were out there, as these guys, as the Spirit gave them utterance, they began to speak things, and people were drawn to that. Things were, were, were happening. They understood. They, they were enunciating perfectly in another language. The Spirit gave them utterance that day. I don't think any of these guys were bilingual at the time. <laughs> but these, And they're probably tripping going, I don't know what I'm saying. But they're saying, and people are being drawn to them. Note that the believers that day, they were praising God. They were not preaching the gospel. They were praising God. And they were using a known language, not an unknown tongue. Again, it wasn't gibberish. Maybe to one another it was gibberish, but to the people that were out there that were now being drawn to where all these languages were being spoken of, man, they understood. The writer of, of this book, Luke, he, he identifies 15 different geographical locations and their language you know, that, that they were speaking in those guys' language, clearly stating that these citizens were from these places that, that those who were filled with the Holy Spirit, when they began to speak, they heard the wonderful works of God. That's what they were hearing. In a language that they could understand. The word language, or the Greek word language, is dialectos, where we get our word dialects from. It was speaking to those people that understood. Apparently the sound of this wind maybe drew the people to, to the place where the believers were gathered, but it was the praises of these believers that really caught their attention. The careless believers or the careless listeners that were there, they were mocking these guys, accusing them of being drunk. <laughs> but the others who were sincere. They want to come and find out what is going on here. Because they're all amazed because they knew these guys are Galileans. How, somehow they knew that. Maybe it was the accent that they were speaking in. I don't know. 
But they knew that these guys were Galileans. And words like confused, astonished, bewildered, amazed, marveled, perplexed, confounded, and dumbfounded are, are, are used to describe the people that were there that day, the multitudes. Again, it's, it, to me, it's interesting that some people were mocking it. Saying that they were filled with, with wine, new wine. And it's interesting because... Wine is associated with the Holy Spirit. When Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul relates uh, the two in, in contrast. When, when a man is filled with strong drink, he loses control, and usually he ends up being ashamed of himself. But when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he has self-control and glorifies God. Strong drink can make or, or can bring temporary exhilaration, <laughs> but the Spirit gives deep satisfaction and lasting joy. God used those who were filled with the Holy Spirit that day to get the message across. It wasn't so much the tongues, but the message that was being shared. That was the most important part. That is the most important part. That they were filled and they gave a message that people understood and they were drawn to. What was that message? It says the wonderful works of God. What, what were they? It doesn't tell. It just tells they were talking about the wonderful works of God. Some were intrigued and others mocked. But I wonder who was more amazed and perplexed. The people that heard the disciples, the disciples who spoke in a different language going, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, we do know. There was a people who heard them that were amazed and perplexed. And it brought about the question, what could this mean? In verse 12, what could this mean? And, and what we will see Next time is that Peter will share with them exactly what this means. Again, those who mocked said that they were filled with new wine, intoxicating drink. I don't know how many of you guys have ever been around drunk people. It's not easy to understand them when they're drunk, much less in a different language. <laughs> I know, I know that when people get drunk, it loosens their tongue a little bit, but not in another language. <laughs> and they can say some pretty crazy things, but most of the time it's like, uh, talking about the side of your neck. Can't hear that. Can you imagine if something like that happened, <laughs> that you actually, as you drink, Began, I mean, it, it could almost drive us all back to drinking so we can be bilingual, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Many of you here have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you because you are born again. And many of you who are born again have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But I know some of you have not. And I don't know for what reason, maybe you just didn't know this portion of Scripture. And I can, I can tell you, when I, was first, when I was first saved, not knowing a lot of this, learning it for the first time, going, I want it all. I want it all, Lord. I don't know what this means exactly, but I want to be filled to overflowing. And praise God, I had people in my life that were encouraging and helping me through this time. But some of you, you, you you've never been filled to overflowing because you feared what might happen. Partly because you've heard and seen other things that has prejudiced you. But I want to encourage you, put those things away. And even as I pray right now, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to not just dwell in you if you're not a believer, <laughs> because you have, to have be, you have to have the Holy Spirit in you first. But begin to pray, Lord, I don't want to be afraid of anything. Not if you're in control, because if you're in control of my life, then you will control everything that happens in my life. 
And maybe you've, you've been drawn back because you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And God wants to fill you to overflowing, not to, so that you can get crazy, but that He might blow your mind and allow you to be used in a powerful way. Because what we will see with Peter after this, a man who has denied Jesus 50 days earlier, 50-some days earlier, who was cowering un under the threat of what the Jews were going to do to him. 50-some days later, after the Holy Spirit has come upon him, there's a newfound boldness that you see in this man, that he's fearless. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not only in him, but he has filled him to overflowing. And he will speak the wonderful things of God. And that's what God wants from us. Amen? Father in heaven, we truly look to you, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. Father, we do say that we believe, Lord God, and oftentimes we don't do what your word tells us. And in that, Lord God, we want to repent first and foremost, Lord, and say, Lord, please forgive us. If we have held back, Lord God, and not allowed you to fill us, Lord, because of fear, I pray that right now you would just take away the prejudices, the misconceived ideas that some might have here that have not allowed you to fill them to overflowing, Lord. Lord, I don't know where everybody is at right now in their, in their walk with you, Jesus. But I pray that, Father, right now they would open themselves up, Lord. Lord, I know that we can't recreate any of this, Lord. But, Lord, I know that you can do that in people's hearts, Lord. You can come in like a fire, Lord. You can come in like the wind, Lord, and begin to blow us away and set us aflame, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give us boldness, that we would speak, Lord God, of the wonderful things of God, that we would not be hesitant, Lord, but empowered by who you are in our lives, Lord. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, I pray, God, that you would do a mighty and awesome work. Father, I pray for anyone who might be here to, to this morning who, who doesn't even know you, Lord, <laughs> and yet saying, I, I want all of this. And I pray that you would meet them right where they're at, Lord. Bring them to a newfound knowledge of who you are that they might become born again, a new creation in you. So, Lord, help our brothers and sisters to desire more of what you have for us. Lord, if we've been filled, <laughs> fill us afresh, Lord. We want it all. We want it all, Lord God. We don't want to fear. Lord, we want to be used of you in powerful ways. I pray for our church here that you would set us aflame, Lord. Use us, Lord God, as we continue to build what you're doing here, to put stone upon stone and to move forward, Lord to see what you want to do in a powerful way, Lord. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.